Welcome to episode 23 of Iron Man Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Alrighty guys, so welcome along to Iron Man Talk episode 3 with Coach three? John. 3? Oh, 23. 23. Come on. <laughs> I looked up at the screen and I saw the 3. With Coach John Newsom and Bevan James. Oh, how you going, mate? Very good. And you? Oh, I'm a bit shag. John and I have just been out for a big... How long do we ride for in the end? 5 hours 10. 5 hours 10 and then 20 off the bike and... Uh, but shagged, but that's okay because fitness professionals, that's what we are. <laughs> <laughs> so on this week's show, we've got our news. We've got race results coming up from last weekend. Um, which wasn't a lot of racing, but there was a couple of races. We've got upcoming races. Just a little bit on Arizona, and just a bit of a discussion on ITU kind of growing the triathlon thing in the world. Uh, we've got an age grouper, age groupers. <sighs> Doubling up again. <laughs> Doubling up again of the week. And we've also got, I think, High Five, which is for... Fixing um, your punches. And I actually thought this up this morning. I thought Bevan tried to... Coming with a different high I five. I came with a technical high five and he yeah. downed me. He I said, nah, <laughs> we're not doing it. I've vetoed that. And uh, so I thought, right, we're going to do just veto. F- five quick tips on how to change a puncture. What do you know? 30 minutes into the ride today, get a puncture. John gets so, a puncture. So there you so go. So it's the first time in a long time. Do you know I was in a band called Veto once? There you go. <laughs> there you go. Wow. So, there you go. Uh, we've got websites of, was it websites? No. no just, singular. Just the singular. Website of the week. Product review centre. We're going to actually review Hayden Woolley. Now Hayden was the guy we had on the show last week. Uh, we're just going to review the CD that we mentioned last week um, later on. And today's big focus in the show today is question and answers. Last week we didn't get enough time to have question and answers. And uh, so this week we've got a few to catch up on. So we're basically after a product review, we're just going to knuckle down and get into question and answers. Question and answer special. I'm gonna super special. It, I'm going to name it the question and answer super special. Super special. <laughs> so get ready for that. Oh, it's sensational. So first of all, what we had some races on last weekend, what we have up? We had the world champs. Obviously, it's yeah, not a long course, that. but yep. we've got to recognise that. It was uh, some pretty good racing. Mm. Well, one, one thing I'd be keen to hear from, I know you've, we've got a few Tri-Talk listeners out there. Oh, um, good Tri-Talk. And uh, back here in New Zealand, it was big news. You know, um, We had live coverage actually before the event. We had reporters there, and it was big news on Hamish and Bevan and, and Chris Gemmel. Yep. Um, and so it was great coverage, and then when Hamish got second, yeah, he was on the front page of the Sport yep. Today, I think. Yep. Um, and it was really great coverage. And for those of you who haven't seen the results, the good old Pommies uh, took out yeah, well uh, done the Poms. first in the elite with Tim Don. They took out first in the under twenty three uh, with what's his name, uh, the young guy, Will Clark, was it? Yeah. Uh, and then they also won the under nineteens. So they really dominated the, you know, the elites, the juniors, the sort of intermediates. Yep. Uh, and so we'd be interested to hear if there has actually been much coverage over in the UK. I see it made it onto the BBC website. There was a very small article on there, but um, I'd just be really keen to, to hear if, if, if they do get any coverage because uh, in New Zealand they sure as hell do. Yeah, oh, but, definitely. Um, for those that haven't seen the results, uh, Tim Don first, Hamish Carter second, Frederick Lerber third, and uh, Chris Kimmel also from New Zealand was uh, fourth. And in the girls, Emma Snow still came back from a shocker last week where she got uh, crushed in, in, in uh, I think it was Chicago, and nobody really expected her to recover in a week, but she did, and she took down Vanessa Fernandez. Pretty She's amazing, isn't she? Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, Vanessa, it was, it, was, it was dubbed as the big Fernandez versus Snow still um, oh, really? battle. 
And uh, she took it to her at 5K, apparently, and just dropped her. And uh, ended she's, up... a bit, she's a bit cute, too, I have to admit. Oh, she's a midget, man, yeah. I tell you. Oh, she is she? Is, she is tiny. She doesn't even come up to my shoulder, and I'm not exactly yeah, well, You're not fella. the tallest guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, fantastic. She ran like a 33.45 or something wow. like that. Very, very impressive. Uh, and who the hell was third? Some, some other chip. <laughs> Mate, oh. did you not do your peas? I left this one up to you. Come who, on, Who come came on. third? The million-dollar question. Not coming to me. Pull no. the website up. No, we'll, uh, we'll come back to that. But um, it's a shocking effort, mate. Well done to everybody who was at Worlds and uh, yeah, short course stuff. What else do we have? The Canadian. The Canadian. Uh, so we talked about that last week. Another Ironman distance race in the states. <clears throat> Doesn't really look like they had a pro division. It was just uh, all age groups. And we had Eric Desales, uh taking the win from Gatineau. Uh, which is in looks like in Quebec. I presume QC stands for yep. Qu- Quebec, yep. and he was in the thirty to thirty four age group. And where's so, the so time? Have, Nine hours like twenty four. They must have had like a pro section. No, I think it would have just been a, an open race. Everybody starts and away you go. Um, it looks like they only had uh, sixty one people finish, so it's obviously not a massive uh, no. turnout. But uh, look at this race, mate. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> took, took it out. Nine hours twenty four. Then uh, Alain Chalbois. Was second nine thirty four and George Reed was third in nine fifty eight, and we better mention the first female Joanne Murray. Uh, she actually finished ninth overall. It's pretty solid. Ten hours forty two. Yeah. So well done, everybody. You're Canadians. You're, <laughs> you're a Canadian. You're a Canadian. <laughs> what if you're not? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, so then we also had Monaco seventy point three, and it was some interesting racing happening there. Eh? Kieran Doe was basically dominating. Leading off the bike at least, and was leading with the run with about halfway through the run, and then kind of blew up, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he had about a four and a half minute lead off the bike, and I thought he was going to wrap it all up. He's he's a pretty handy yeah, runner. Yeah, he is a good runner. But um, no, he did did fall to pieces a little bit. Um, but it was pretty close racing. Um, Marcel Perez Zamor or Zamor Perez uh, took the win. Came home in a one hour ten marathon. So I think that may flying, isn't it? I'd like to say that's maybe a little bit short. Uh, no, he probably could run that. Um, four hours twelve. Norbert Dominic was second, four fourteen, and a really good return for Luke Van Leer. Nice yeah. to see him up there. He led out of the swim uh, and came home with a one hour twelve fifty one. Yeah, the guy came second's forty two. Crikey, Jeez. Van Leer's thirty seven. I didn't realise he was that old either. Yeah. Ronnie Shieldnick was uh, fourth, and then Karen Doe hung on for fifth. But you know, four twelve for first, and down to four fifteen for fifth. So uh, pretty good racing. I don't quite know what happened to. Uh, Rudd Kabiki, he was uh, up there at some stage, but he looks like he was a DNF. And uh, good old Paul Amy down there in ninth on his day. That guy is probably one of the very best athletes in the world. Um, but didn't look like he really fired up. So it was much. on um, on Slow Twitch, actually. I went on Slow Twitch during the week. And, uh, and Slow Twitch is loving the Dave Scott Mark Allen thing. Mm. Oh, we're loving Slow Twitch this week. Although we love everyone else as well. But um, they were talking about that the swim course was, seems to be a lot faster, like seven minutes faster than last year's times. Oh, right. So there was questions regarding if the course was a lot shorter. Well, 21 yeah, minutes. Yeah, it seems normal. Yeah, but, maybe, well, maybe last maybe year was longer. A, maybe a touch short, but uh, but not too much. On the, on the chick side of things, it was uh, dubbed at the battle of uh, Karen Thurig versus Michelle Dillon. Um, Michelle Dillon's a short course girl. Karen Thurig has won a couple of Ironman races. Um, and as we sort of expected, Michelle Dillon uh, led her out of the swim. Uh, but Karen Thurig absolutely crushed everybody on the ride, on the ride riding 2.46, uh, putting 11 minutes into Michelle Dillon. 
And apparently Michelle Dillon came back at her really strongly, especially in the early stages of the run. Um, but then uh, Karen Thurig managed to you know, pretty much pull yeah. away again and held on for a win by six minutes, so pretty impressive. And then, she uh, sounds a lot like last weekend's race, doesn't it, with yeah. the two jerks you know, yeah. going, going at it. And uh, Erica Cosmo- Cosmo, uh was in third place, and she was another five minutes back uh, in four hours 52. So looks like uh, pretty good racing there. Um, oh, there we go. Rud Kabiki down the bottom there. He must have pulled out on the run. Road 245. And, and also um, Mecca. He was meant to be racing yeah, as Chris well. Yeah, Cormac was meant to be racing. Maybe so. even the start because he's not in a DNF. Yeah. So, uh, mm. yeah, it looks like good racing. It's a nice so. place to be in the world, Monaco. Must be pretty cool. Yeah, can't complain about that. Not that I've been there, but... Okay, so next up this weekend coming up, we've got Ironman Wisconsin. So this is the last kind of Ironman before Hawaii. Uh, yeah, I think it probably is actually. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, well, you're onto it, mate. Well, I'm doing my peas, I tell you. But the one thing is, is that since it is the last race before uh, Hawaii, we, the field's pretty weak, isn't it? It's uh, there's, there's nobody really on there that really jumps out of me. It's is uh, you know absolutely kill this race. Yeah. A little bit like Canada. I think Canada was a stronger field than this. Um, but we're 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 trying to do our triathlon <laughs> trifecta tantalizer. <laughs> Bevan's still suffering a bit from last week. Oh, I'm still sick. That's all right. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we're struggling a little bit with our tight tantalizer, so we're going to go for it, though. Yep. Gonna, on the spot, we're going to do it. On the spot. I'm, I know Chris McDonald, so he's winning it. That's, <laughs> that's my philosophy well, this week. <laughs> that's my philosophy. I'm going to give Chris a win. In uh, second place, I'm going to go for... Uh, oh, actually... I'm going to renege that. Uh, let's, see, let's start from third place, shall we? Oh, well, we'll back it up. <laughs> just, just spotted somebody. You spotted someone. Okay, then. Well, I'm going to go... Third place. Third place. Martin, just because the name's so crazy. Le Montage Lessie. Yeah, I don't even know if they fit his whole name on there. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to go for... Kurt Chesney, because he's from Boulder. Oh, and he okay. owns his own business. He's 37, though. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm going to go... There's a male nurse. His name is Marcus Struin. Okay, he's your second, and yep. you're going for. Uh, I'll go for Chris McDonald. Yeah, he's going to pull something out here now, aren't you? Yeah, Rainer, isn't it? No, no. Racing let me guess. No, I haven't got the foggiest. Okay, Marcus Foster uh, from Bavaria, Germany. Now, I, know, I, I don't know a lot about him, but I know he's pretty good. So, so oh, he pulls it out uh, again. I, I reckon my male nurse is going to do it. Oh, <laughs> I pulled it out. The one thing we did notice, we were just looking down here. They, they've got the occupations listed, and. Uh, you know, probably over half of these athletes that are racing pro um, have yeah. got different occupations. We've got a firefighter, a male nurse, policeman. physician, a policeman, computer operator, retail sporting goods. Oh, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Um, and, and so on. So an interesting spread there. So, again, we're going to come on to this a bit later, you know, the difference between being pro and age group. A lot of the pros, you know, aren't pros, as it clearly indicates. So yeah. that's, the, that's the guy's side of things. And on the chick's side of things, we have... Not a strong mm. field again. Uh, Marilyn McDonald, who is Chris McDonald's partner, and uh, she's won in, what was it? She's won Malaysia? She has won Malaysia, yep. yep. So Very she, strong on the bike. Yeah, she's very strong on the bike, isn't she? Yeah. Uh, and it's about it. <laughs> no, I've got, I've got, you've got Oh, so we're doing picks on this one as well. Yeah, okay, no, then. Okay, it. I'm going to go Stephanie Jones. Okay, and third, I'll, I'll go Marilyn for third, Marilyn McDonald. Oh, so you know someone I don't know of. Uh, and I'll go Hilary Biscay. So will I. I'll double up on that. I'll go her for second. Oh, I pulled that one out of nowhere. Okay, one more. This got to, and I'll go that one. Katja Schumacher. Ah, oh, damn it. Yeah. Although the number one seed there, by the look of it, is Lauren Jensen. And I've obviously I, I've heard of her name. 
Um, so maybe she won it last year. We haven't uh, researched that too closely. So that's our picks. We'll see how we My go. My picks purely went on the, the fact that the pro athletes. <laughs> so, <laughs> You're a smart one, aren't oh, you? Oh, I tell you, I'm always thinking. Okay, so uh, what else is on? So uh, we've also got just a couple of other races. Uh, we don't really know too much about them, but in uh, Switzerland, we've got the Bondesi Tri Challenge, which is another non-WTC uh, race. Is it full? Full course, nice. yeah. And we've also got in Chile, uh, which is a place I'd love to go. It's a bit chilly there. A bit chilly. <laughs> uh, the Iron Desert Triathlon. Oh. So there you go. Well, maybe it's not it's, maybe, it's not, <laughs> maybe it's not chilly. So what? They do it. Is it kind of like one of those ultra crazy events? Don't ask too many questions. <laughs> it's, it's, it's an Ironman distance race. <coughs> oh, he's dying I'm on us. dying, yeah. Okay, then. Well, that's sensational. Is that's, that it? That's it for the races that are coming up this weekend. So, also on news, we had uh, Arizona. Ironman Arizona is now sold out. Mm, I so a, I think that might be the first time for that. Uh, it's an early season race, and I know, yeah. you know a lot of the, especially in the States, you know, they can be a pretty harsh winter in a lot of places, you know, like New York and so on. So, uh, first time it's sold out. So I think a few people might be surprised by that. Yeah, you'd be a bit gutted if you were planning to do it. Mm. So, you know, it's, it's not till the uh, start of April, so long way till that race. But it's, it, it's, it's a hard one, that one. Like, how long is it? Oh, crap. How long oh. before a race? How long before a race should you enter? I think you've got to enter. As, once you're committed, you're gonna, you decide you're going to do that race, you enter straight away. For, for races anywhere in North America, I say you've just got to be on to it. And yep. most of them sell out. We've had an example in New Zealand that a um, uh, half Ironman we have here, the Tauranga Half, which is the biggest half in New Zealand and sort of the most prestigious, that's just sold out. It's never sold out this early before. A mm. um, few reasons behind it. One of the other halves has been cancelled, but uh, I know a lot of people will have missed out on that one. So, yeah, just a word of warning. If you decide, you know, you've, you've yeah. made a decision that you've got an A race you're going to target, just get your entry in there and... Um, it's better to be safe than sorry. Because I'm sure a few people would have been caught out with this one. Oh, yeah, definitely. Mm. So, yeah, it's, it's our advice from that one. Yeah. Um, also, uh, just on the internet, uh, there was a, I can't remember which website it was, on Trifield, actually, and uh, we're talking about the ITU is basically spending a lot of money and effort, putting a lot of effort into the global growth of triathlon. Mm. And I just kind of thought it would be an interesting discussion just to talk about, you know, is there frustration between the two unions or the two different kind of, you know, they obviously a lot of people that spend money developing end up going into another sport. Mm. Um, well, I think part of it probably is that the, the ITU get a lot of money from the um, Olympic mm. Olymp- Olympic um, uh, what do you call governing it? body Olympic Association. Yep. I can't think of the name of it at the moment. Ooh, <laughs> that's my email sound. Uh, um, and so they've probably got a fairly big budget to do it anywhere, but it's yep. bloody good. You know, they're, they're getting out there, they're getting into the smaller nations. They also do um, solidarity camps in you know less fortunate places. I know I went to do a race once in India, and they put a bit of money into that. So I think it's fantastic that they are trying to develop the sport. Uh, it is a relatively affluent sport, but yeah. um, there's no reason why you know. You, Jeez, you wouldn't want to get the Kenyans into it, would you? Oh Christ! Well, it might not be too fl- too flash in the swim. Yeah, true. <laughs> but uh, I think it's great that they're, they're they're spreading the wings. You know, obviously the WTC is also expanding, but theirs is purely for financial reasons, mm. and they're not sort of doing it just to be nice people. Do they have a um, restriction on like does uh, does WTC have restrictions on what they can run? Because I noticed that they have their that's trying the Iron, Iron Gill. Yeah, event. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. and so, that, you know, like, do you know much about that? No, not really, but I know that if you try to run a anything with the word Ironman in it, you're going to come to get yeah. uh, nailed pretty hard if you're going to try and run an Ironman race anywhere. Because so, uh, those female just triathlon races must be very profitable. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. so they're, they're, they're obviously tied in, and I'm sure that there's some sort of 
licensing fee or profit sharing or, mm. or something going yeah. on there. You're not a bunch of mugs. So if you want to run an Olympic triathlon, do you have to go through the ITU? No, not at all. Oh, Anybody. Really? It varies from country to country. Some countries you have to go through the national organisation if you want to organise a race. Most places like New Zealand, you can just rock up and anybody can organise a race. You then can choose to get that race sanctioned by your national governing body. Okay, and if you want to get, offer slots to like world champs and stuff exactly. like that. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Oh, okay, well, just quickly before we move on from that, let's go on to our discussion of the week. Oh, yes. Ooh, we wouldn't actually think about that one, did we? I had it listed there. Oh, did you? I didn't right. see that. Yeah. Okay, I'm just trying to find the website right now as we're going up. Yeah, I reckon if you go to ironmantalk.com, you might be able to find it. And then we've got a blog. Okay, so our discussion last week was, should what what determines a pro athlete? And in that case, you know, what kind of banner should they be able to race under? Now, oh, we've got another comment. We've got six comments this week. We know there's more than six listeners out there, so yeah, get on Yeah, it was this. interesting, but I kind of felt maybe... It kind of got wrapped up pretty quick. Mark uh, Cartway, uh, Gary Cart- Fegan. Yeah, and uh, Johnny H. Ha. Yeah, Johnny Ha. <laughs> Johnny Ha. All came on, and they were basically saying that they feel it's a little bit shaky and that, you know, it doesn't really seem to be very clear and they're a little bit frustrated by it all. And, uh, yeah, they were kind of agreeing and what it was all about. And then our good friend Brian Rose came back again. Yeah, Rosie's coming back. Rosie, we're going to get you on the show once. We've got our... Uh, our sort of technology with our interviewing sorted out. It's Which I've been to. Been a bit hazy last week. It wasn't super duper quality with Hayden. Once we've got that done, we'll get you on the show, Rosie. Don't worry. So so he came on. He basically said, my understanding about racing as a pro, uh, like Jim Busnick did before Belgium, the week before I'm in UK, is that he would have to hold a pro license so that he should have actually raced as a pro in UK. Mm. So I'm not sure how that Harry managed to slip under the radar with that. Um, with the, the, Rosie, it's... Very tricky. I mean, yes, you kind of you do need to have a. If, you, if you're going to race as a pro, you're supposed to come up with a pro license. But from country to country, it varies so much. In New Zealand, there's no such thing as a pro license. So I know yep. when I've raced pro overseas, I had to get a, a letter from the the high performance um, triathlon high performance unit in yep. New Zealand saying, "Yeah, John is eligible to race pro." Yeah, uh, doesn't really. I didn't have a pro card or anything like that. And there's a huge variation from country to country. I know in the states, yes, you can, you've got to have a pro license to race pro. Yeah. So it does vary quite a bit. So, um, mm. yeah, obviously Jim, um, maybe maybe he's from he's from Belgium, isn't it? Um, he maybe went on the radio somewhere there. But Rhodesy also goes on to say, yeah, and I think this is a really good point. Is he's saying that. Um, that it was, as a as a top athlete, someone who could be a good pro or someone who could do really, really well in Hawaii, um, that there's a lot of money for someone to win their age group in Hawaii and you can often get a lot more sponsorship by winning your age group than being mm. a top 50 pro athlete and that, you know, sometimes someone like Jim's obviously decided, well, maybe I'm better to go to Hawaii, win my age group mm. financially and just sponsorship-wise, it's going to be a better thing for me and... You know, hence he probably made that decision, mm. um, which I find is really interesting. Lastly, he kind of gave an interesting point on here. Jim actually jumped up on stage while they were giving out the pro money and kind of jumped up in the third slot, which I thought, yeah, that's bit, yeah bad taste. Bad taste. Yeah, you're no longer our age group, mate. You've yeah, got no, you've taken been, out of you. Taken out. You're no longer age yeah, group of the week. Don't just then. disregard that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that was a bit kind of weak, I felt. But then we had um, Ken. Ken Wallace. Yeah, and um, Ken was one of the guys on Epic Camp who uh, you interviewed one day. Yeah, yeah, and he also had sent us a race report at one stage. Um, Really, really, you want to kind of elaborate on his? Well, he's sort of using golf as a good example, whereas, uh, you know, obviously you get 
pro golfers who come back to the sport and they obviously want to keep playing, um, but they're clearly not professionals. So there's some pretty clear rules in golf that, you know, there's a stand down period and so on. Um, and he's sort of saying that, you know, the reason that can happen is because golf has a very strong governing body and it's, it's quite united. So, so they can make rules and it can be spread across country to country. Um, and it's like a world golf organization, I think. So I think that works in quite well. And so I really like that idea of a stand-down period. I think that's yeah. a good fair way of doing it. Say, so, right, you've raced pro, and then uh, you've got maybe a one-year stand-down. So I think yeah. that's a fantastic idea. And then you have to make that decision, don't you? Mm. Mm. Um, and then we had one final one. Good old Ray. Uh, he's sort of saying that if you've got a pro license, you shouldn't be allowed to race in the age group. Um, and you should be stripped of any rewards. And there may have been one more below that. No, no, I think that was it. Okay, yeah, that was yeah. it. Um, so what I... I I think the the big problem here is that there is no unity um, between, say, WTC and Ironman, and I don't think that there ever is going to be. So I think probably what needs to happen is um, what I think would be a good idea is if WTC WTC comes up with their own pro license, and you know maybe you've got to finish within a certain percentage, yep. maybe fifteen percent of of the winner at a at a, at a WTC race. If you do that, you're, you're elig- no, you're eligible to apply for a pro license. Once you've got, if you decide to race pro, you're pro for that season. And that's it. But, but should it be like basically once you do sub nine, you're now pro. No, because there's plenty of people who are sub nine that are not pros. Yep. Um. So it's a no. I don't think so. I think it's got to be a choice. You know. I, don't, I think yeah. If you finish, if you think you're fast enough and you finish within fifteen percent, then it's your choice. You can either decide to race pro and then you can race for money. Um. And if you decide you don't want to be a pro, then you're racing age group and you're racing for medals. Well, see, I actually disagree with you on a little bit on that one. I actually think that maybe they should set it as like a, a qualification time. That mm. when once you go over that, like let's say you're you okay nine hours, maybe you go to eight forty five. Mm. You are at a level which is like a pro athlete. Or pro, I, mean, I know, I know the argument is that the money's not there and all the rest of it, but you are racing against in the in that kind of height of the sport. Mm. And so, um, so do, do you think that it's fair though that it's say somebody who's doing a forty hour job and they happen to be a really good athlete? Yeah, but and they but, want to be the best age grouper in the world. Yeah, I, I, well, I, I think that. I think then it makes makes set out boundaries for the age groupers. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just yeah. I just think that if you know if you're doing an eight forty five, and even if you are working a normal job, you are an elite athlete. Mm. And and so that if that way, basically, once you've done that, it makes it nice and clear. Then you know you're you're now a pro. I think what what the one theme that comes through here, then probably what we agree on as well is you decide to race as a pro. Mm. That's it. You're pro for the rest of that yep. season, and you can't do any age group racing. So yeah. I think there just needs to be a rule. And once there's a rule, then people can't get too annoyed. And at the moment, there isn't any rules. Well, there are some rules, but they're not really very clear. Yep. Um, and obviously, people are getting, yeah. getting around it if there is rules. Yeah, and I think, that's the, I think that is the real key thing, is that there's so. just no rules. And it seems to be, a, this is a thing that's coming up a lot, isn't it? It's like the mm. swimming in... Um, when there's no swim, what, what's the rules? Or well, it doesn't seem to be a rule, you just make it up on the day. And I think that they need to be a bit more organised on mm. these type of issues and have some standards. Just lastly, um, on the on subject we had last week about uh, the chicks, we had Mark Cathwaite uh, come on and he, uh, what did he say? Age groupers shouldn't get the prize money in the same as elites unless they start in the same wave, oh, totally. which is a good point because often the pros will actually start the race yeah. um, before the age groupers. And so, totally. yeah, so that was a good point. Just sort of bring that one up. So our discussion for this week? Um, yeah, I just sort of came up with it on the bike. Um, Out of nowhere, we're, we're having a slow ride down the road. Joe goes, I've got the discussion. <laughs> so I just thought, because I come from a short course background and I moved into Ironman, um, this is going to be a question that not everybody's going to sort of be able to get involved in, but 
I'd be interested to hear what people think about whether they think it's harder to be a really good sort of top age grouper or is it harder to be a, a top Ironman? And I'd just be interested to hear people's thoughts on that. Oh, I thought you were talking about the difference between Olympic and... What did I say then? Did I say something <laughs> You've changed different? your question. You said, do you think it's harder to be a top um, Olympic-size um, yeah, triathlete? Yeah, this is what I'm meaning. Sorry, I may have just got... <laughs> I'm tired. I've got confused. What I meant to say, yeah. Is Start it, again. Back it up. Back it up. Rewind, rewind. Um, so is it harder... <laughs> oh, now he's dying on me. Uh, is it harder to become a top... Olympic distance athlete, you know, as, as high up your yep. age group as you can possibly get, or, or into elites, <coughs> or is it harder to be, get as high up in your age group and uh, as an Ironman athlete? So this would be an interesting answer because we're an Ironman show, so most of our listeners, I imagine. Yeah, but a lot of people, if, if they've been around for a while, will have done um, both distances. Yeah, true. Um, and so yeah. let's see, we may get zero response on this one. Make it downhill. It'll be interesting. <laughs> so yeah, but thanks for your input on that, and uh, feel free to even comment on the older ones. We'll um. If you bring up a good point, we'll definitely bring it up and make and, the shows. And um, it would be also good if you guys can send in some topics um, because we're going to run out of ideas yeah. after a while. <laughs> it was um, a great idea when I thought of it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we'd love to discuss those. Just a quick last story on the news. I was, I, was, I was at home yesterday working on the computer. I get a call from John. It wasn't like, John, hi, how are you going, Bev? He goes, where are you training? <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't be at home. Should be out training. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good coach for you. Eh? <laughs> anyway, that's our news for this week. Age Grouper of the Week. Oh, nice, mate. Nice. Right. I'll do the first one. Well, yeah, Age Groupers yeah. of the Week. Because I've got the first one I know. Um, you may remember when we talked about Iron Man career a few weeks ago. I mentioned a guy, a guy called uh, Axel Reiser. Uh, so he went over to Korea. It was his first Iron Man distance race. Um, now, obviously, the swim did get cancelled there. So you technically didn't do an Iron Man. But... We're going to give it to him anyway. Hard, eh? Oh, bloody annoying. <laughs> yeah, and, you've done uh, it. Yeah. Anyway. His girlfriend was actually pretty happy. She's a wife. <laughs> She's not a good swimmer. Oh, really? <laughs> she had quite a big smile on her face when she came back. <laughs> um, but Axel finished sixth overall. Wow. Uh, which was bloody impressive. His first race ever. Uh, he was first age grouper, and which obviously meant he won his age group, yep. uh, 35 to 39. So he's packing his bags and going to Hawaii. So it's going to be very interesting to see how he goes there. Uh, he rode a 4.59, I think, on a very tough course. It's quite a slow run. He ran about 3.30, but um, I think the fastest run of the day was only about 3.15. I think Jason's shortest ran about 3.15. So yep. very, very tough day on the run, he said. Very hot, very humid, and uh, and quite a tricky course. One thing he did say that we, uh, I didn't bring up just before about the course change, You know, they, they said over there, right, swims off, starting this time, and that's it. Oh. And so they basically started at 8 o'clock, and they're away. Oh, that's good. And so he said, you know, the swimmers off, the, the, obviously they weren't happy about that, yep. but they said, right, we're starting at 8 o'clock, as normal, this is how we're going, boom. Oh, that's good. So at least yeah. it was organised in the decision. Yeah. Yeah, which is cool. And uh, you've got a second age group. Well, I got sent through an email from, it's, uh, how do you say that, Fatso? Fausto. 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 And he's from Brazil, and he was just basically talking about this young Brazilian that he's uh, seems to be keeping an eye on, and that um, this guy came second at Embrim. Embrim, mm. which is, uh, you know, I think he spelled that wrong, but it could be Embrim. So that's a really hard Ironman race. and uh, Yeah. And it, it's... <laughs> Ronaldo Colucci. You're pretty good with the Brazilian names, mate. But they're just saying that this guy's only 20 or 21, and he's obviously got a bit of talent mm. and uh, someone to look out for. So, um, you know, obviously, these you know these are the things we want to start looking forward to. You know, who are the next kind of crew coming through? And, yeah. you know, this guy's obviously at this age coming through and, you know, 
So hopefully you can stick like, at the sport. And... Like him and Karen Doe are the ones to watch. You know, there's quite a few, like we talk about, there's quite a few guys that are sort of nearing the end of their tether. You mm. know, guys like Cameron Brown, obviously Peter Reed's just gone. Yep. The Booms probably not far behind. Yep. Chris McCormick is, is probably coming towards the end of his career. Mm. So uh, we are looking for some new blood. I'm sure there'll be a few German fellas out there coming through we need to keep an eye on. Yeah, so yeah, so yeah, keep, keep us up to date with those guys, guys, especially if you know about them. So they are, they are our uh, age groupers, groupers of the week. week. I turned it off. I didn't need to. It's a uh, one, two, three, four, half five. All right. So this week, this week, after I vetoed Bevan's original idea, oh, great band. Excuse me. <laughs> we're uh, fixing. It's on fixing your tires. Fixing your tires. Um, now this, a lot of you guys are probably thinking, oh, look, we all know how to fix a tire, but um, I can tell you, I've been out with plenty of very good athletes, yeah, and it's been woeful, woeful performances in changing their tires. Um, mine wasn't that impressive today either, No, it was pretty shocking to be well, honest But I, I, I did have about six staples through my tire that yeah, I found Yeah, you did One thing with it as well, just quickly Is that if you don't get flat tires Practice, practice, practice You know, like I've had like, like middle in the last kind of three weeks I've had a billion flat tires But I tell you what, it's been really good for me Because I'm actually, yeah. I'm quite efficient at it quite now And you know, like on race day You get flat tires And so, yeah. you know, if you're afraid of doing it You've got to practice it So these next five tips are just going to change your life They are, yeah. they're going to be lifesavers Do you want to start off? Okay, right, so this is the first thing I actually did when I got my puncture today. It's uh, checking the outside of your tyre. You know, a lot of people just go, right, I've got a puncture, they whip off the tyre and, and away they go and start changing it. Um, so you just go around, just spin your tyre around and just check for any glass or anything. And like I said, I found about six staples jammed into my tyre, so it was pretty clear where the puncture was. If I'd just gone ahead and put a tie back in there, it would have uh, flattered straight away. So that's your first tip. Yep. Check the outside of your tire first. And also actually in the inside as well. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay, sorry. I'm doing one thing sorry, at a time, Bevan. I get excited. How many times do I have to tell you? <laughs> it's like my mother. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, try to keep the levers close to each other when you actually put them in. Some people can just put one lever in and just use a lot of brute force to get the tire off. Mm. Um, I'd prefer just to leave my muscles alone. And I actually try to use all three levers. <laughs> <laughs> You sound like you're flipping doing a workout when you take a tub. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, it's entertaining. He gets excited, I tell you. But while I, so I like, personally, this is a personal tip, but I like to put one lever in and have another lever quite close, whip those over, and then get the third one in quite close as well. And then you get quite a big gap, and whipping the tyre around the tyre seems a lot easier. Mm. So keep the levers close to each other. Don't try to have a real wide gap in between the levers. There are those quite funky things where you can uh, actually. Put it in, and then you can extend it down to your, oh, yeah, um, cool. your thing in the middle. And they're actually really cool. They're quite quick, yeah. quick at doing that. Yeah. Um, if anyone has those, sponsor us. Yeah. <laughs> Third one is if you haven't found the hole uh, when you've been checking the outside of your tyre, when you've uh, unhooked your, your tyre, just put a little bit of air into, into your tyre. Once you've unhooked your tyre, so put a little bit of air of tire, in, yep. into your tube, um, and then you can actually find the spot where the puncture is. So then you can check the inside, and it may have just been that you hit a rock or something, and you, and you sort of... Um, I don't know, put a hole in it somehow. Well, it's also if you're going to look in the inside of the tyre, yeah. you can identify which area. So try and establish the where the puncture actually happened. So put a little bit of air in the tyre, have a little listen, and you should be able to find it pretty quickly. And sometimes you might have to put a lot of air because it might be a small puncture. Yeah. Um, tip number four is but when you're putting the tyre or the valve back into the tyre, um, just put a little bit of air in there. So it avoids it being pinched, it helps it from mm. being pinched, and it also just helps it fit in a little bit easier. So it's just not a huge amount of air, but just put a little bit of air in. Some people just like to blow it in. Yeah. Um, and just so, so there's a little bit of air in the valve. And then you start putting your tyre back on, and as you get further around, you usually need to let that air out just to get the last little bit in. Yep. And then uh, the final tip number five for the one, two, three, four, high five 
is Actually, uh, a six tip, but... <laughs> oh no <laughs> it's just ruining every feature um, just be careful when you're putting the last little bit on with your levers obviously you go around with your thumbs putting um, the majority of your tyre on just be careful of that last little bit that you don't pinch your tyre because then you're yep. going to have to do it all over again yep. so just make sure that that tyre is nicely tucked in there and just be careful as you're doing the last little bit just just a quick finishing tip when Number you're pumping your tyre it's just a finishing tip when you're pumping up your tyre make sure that the valve's not coming out um, a lot of people pump out the tyre really lots of pressure and the valve may be popping outside and it pops oh, yeah yeah. so just be, just while you're pumping out especially when you get the extra bit of pressure uh, just, just have a look around the tyre or around the wheel and check it out so those are our high five. five sensational. Sensational. Radio. Website of the week. So what we've got this week, it's, it's kind of not really a, a website. It's oh, it's just, sensational. It's just a little MPEG file that um, a guy in Florida, actually George Robb, sent through to me the other day. And it's um, from Wes Hobson's website. Um We'll put the link up on the site, but it's very entertaining. Oh, it's funny. Um, we're probably not probably not going to actually talk about it too much. You've got to go have a look at it. Um, it's, it's just a little advertisement. And, uh, it's a little advert, advert for uh, Cliff Bar, um, which obviously must sponsor Wes Hobson. And uh, it's just an entertaining little 30-second clip on uh, the start of a swim. Yeah, and um, honestly, I watched it like 10 times over and over, and I was cracking up laughing. So, so a pretty brief website this week, but yeah. uh, should be quite entertaining. Make Be- an effort. You'll, Bevan you'll, will put the link up there. You'll be it's sending little, it to all your triathlon buddies. Yeah. It's little, viral. That's what they call little, it nowadays. Little MPEG file. Viral. Okay, next up. The big part of the show. Okay. Are you ready? ready? Are you ready? Yeah, ready? 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 Oh, <laughs> Shocker, mate. Oh, I thought we were on to our questions and answers. Oh, jeepers. No, we're Three, on two, to one. Product Review Centre. Okay. okay. So we interviewed Hayden Woolley last week. Again, apologies if the, you didn't hear the sound super duper. Just one thing on that. We got a, a question asking if we could get a transcript now. To be honest, there's no way I'm transcripting it. But um, he's actually writing an article based around the interview. So when he has that article up, we may uh, create a PDF out of it and put it on the um, show it's, notes. It's going into one of the New Zealand triathlon magazines. So it's probably going to be, to be honest, uh, about six to eight weeks away. So yep. don't hold your breath. Um, um, the question was the one on the hands and the head position. And basically Hayden said that the hand positions doesn't seem to matter so much. It, it, it really just depends on the person. And head position is very much about keeping your head down. Down, yeah. Mm. Um. Okay, but this week we are reviewing Hayden's swim CD. It's called the Future Dreams Swim CD. Yep. Um, now, I really like it. I actually send it to all the athletes that I work with um, because it has basically... Start with it, it works on all four strokes, which I really like. Um, I think it's really important for triathletes to, as Hayden was sort of saying last week, to do you know, butterfly, backstroke, breaststroke, all of those, just to get your general skills up in the water. It also helps to keep it a little bit more interesting, especially I love butterfly. It really helps you to work on, on your catch. Um, the weaker swimmers, you know, you may have to put uh, fins on for that, but that's fine. Um, so I really like that. It does cover all four strokes. Um, and basically the, the DVD, how it works is it's got four different sections for the four strokes and under each section it sort of covers, um, uh, it has video clips of just actual swimming and then it goes through a whole lot of drills um, and it goes through starts and turns and then it sort of goes through a few miscellaneous things, you know, some dry water activities and so on. Yep. Um, so very, very good. Um, good underwater shots. Um, yeah, great, great um, visual shots of everything, mm. isn't it? Um, he, has some, he does some out-of-water shots as well with the hand standing yep. up to watching. Um, if, uh, particularly if you're a really good visual learner, and I think with swimming is that 
um we we're always trying to figure out how what we should look like and it's hard to you know unless you see someone do it like i know when i'm swimming next to a good swimmer i spend a lot of time just trying to watch what they're doing mm. and uh and so and i think with swimming visual learning seems to be a really good aid and there's not enough, enough of that kind of stuff out there and this does really fill that need mm. i think the way you get the most power out of these sorts of things is get yourself videoed and then you can compare what you're doing to what you're supposed to be doing. So I think that's how you're going to get the most power of it. Yep. Yes, watching it and just uh, learning off that is going to is going to help you. But if you get yourself videoed, I really think that is the way forward. And it's something that I sort of insist on athletes I work with is that they do get themselves videoed. Um, some of the drills are pretty advanced, um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It is, uh, you know, this is this is for all abilities of swimmers. It's not like a beginner CD. Yep. Um, so it's good for you if you are a beginner. It's good if you're intermediate, and it's good if you're advanced, and it's good if you're a top swimmer. Um, so it sort of covers all your bases. So um, for some people, uh, especially the beginners, you probably will need to wear f- uh, fins for some of the drills. They are quite challenging. It's um, not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, the the one thing that I think probably could be improved, you know, we love to talk about things, how they're fantastic yep. and, and really well, good. We're so positive, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it'd be great to see a bit of audio on there. Um, yeah. It, when, it's, when it's showing each video clip, there is um, a sort of a film strip going down the left side with sort of points you should be looking for, just text format. Um, but I think it'd be really cool if you actually had a little bit of audio there as well. Yep. I, I really like it as well. I think I think it really is a great tool, and especially for those who don't come from a swimming background, who don't really know a lot of drills. So for me, when they say drills, I almost do one arm, you yeah. know. And so it's um, it for me, it was really good because I just picked up some drills in some areas I really needed to work on. So I really like the expert, and there's a lot, a lot of drills. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, one thing is it doesn't work that well on a Mac, which, okay. yeah, so if you do have a Mac, um, nowadays you can get your PC on your Mac as well, so if you've got a newer Mac, it's not so much of a problem, but um, you can watch your clips, but the audio, I mean, the text that's going down the side doesn't come on when you're watching it for Mac, so that's, that's where having audio would have been really good. You may have a Mac version, I don't know. No, I know you won't. used to have two versions, but oh, uh, so you? you might want to check that out. Yep. Um, but yeah, um, so what's the cost? Uh, it's around about it's, I think it's around about forty five dollars New Zealand. I should know this because I actually sell them. Oh, um, but yeah, no, it's it's very it's great good marketing value. there, mate. <laughs> yeah, very good value for money. Uh, it's 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 around about forty five dollars New Zealand, which for Americans is probably about I don't know twenty five thirty dollars. So very good value for money. Yep. Um, you can purchase it through my website, which is www.nzmtc.com. I'll put a little link up on the site. Nice. So you can get it through there, or you can get it through futuredreams.co.nz. So yep. there's a few places you can get it. I don't know if it's sold, uh, it's retailed through the states or not, um, and I'm not sure about the rest of the world whether other people do actually retail it or not. But it's it's a really good buy if you're looking to work on your swimming. And given that uh, for for your northern hemisphere guys, winter is coming up, uh, perfect time to focus a little bit more on your technique. And, and I really think it's great because I haven't actually seen much else out there like this. No. You see a lot of guys who have their websites that help for coaching, um, yeah. which is cool. But just if you want a, tra- a training aid, it's really for you just to go home spend some time and like John said get a video yourself and can look at the comparisons um, to me I don't think I've seen anything I said like mm. so good on Hayden for doing it mm. now we'll move on to the next section we will cool. it's a big feature of the show yeah. really? questions, questions and answers, answers. beautiful okay, okay. where lots, are we going to start we've got lots. millions of them so let's, let's just go through it let's go through it we're, gonna, we're not going to we're not going to rush too much well we're going to have to because we've got hundreds we're going to yeah okay right <laughs> I've been overruled we will rush. No, we won't. Uh, first question is from Matthew. Uh, is it possible to peak twice, perhaps three times in a season for your A race? He's not talking about pros, he's talking about age groupers. Yeah. Um, personally, I think this is pretty challenging. I think it's possible to do uh, you know, two reasonable peaks per season. 
The reason why pros can get away with it is they tend to travel during their, um, you know, the crappy part yep. of the year. So you know, someone so Kiwis get out of the New Zealand winter. But if you've got a train through winter, it's uh, mentally very, very challenging and physically just because the weather's crap to get out there and train. So for example, let's say you're in America. Say you wanted to do Arizona, and then you wanted to do something like in the middle of the season, say Lake Placid, and then you wanted to do Florida. I think you'll find it very, very difficult to peak and perform at your best at all three races. I think it's uh, not unrealistic to think you can do all three races, but if you want to be in peak condition for all three, I think that's a bit of a challenge. Most people can get away with doing two, as long as it's an early season race, and then maybe trying to re-peak for, uh, yeah. for Kona. Cause, well, like for us in New Zealand, Kona, is, it's impossible really, because you train through winter, and I know for myself, I did really well to qualify for Kona, but my Kona race wasn't really that great. Well, no, I was happy with it, but it was, you know, like looking back now, I probably should have done a little bit better. But, um, you know, we were training in snow, you know, mm. and it was, you know, those the weather wasn't conducive to what I was meant to be doing in, in Kona. So, um, yeah, it definitely makes it a little bit tougher. Yeah, so, so yes, my answer to that is it's pretty tricky. I'd say uh, probably limit it to two peaks per season. Yeah. Um, especially if you're doing long course. Like, if you're doing short course, then you can have a few races relatively close to them together, and you can sort of hold your peak for a reasonable amount of period but about given this is a sort of a long distance show uh you know when you race you've got to have it generally takes you two to three weeks to recover from that um so yeah very difficult to peak three times okay so next up we got a question from ray um he's just basically asking about aero bars yeah so he sort of said that uh he's sort of a bit confused about when you know, if, if you get as you get slower are they of any benefit so he sort of said that he's heard somewhere if you're going at 20 miles per hour um, you're not really getting any benefit from aero bars. Basically, the deal with that is um, the faster you go, the more benefit you get from aero bars. Um, you know, if you're travelling along at 50k an hour yep. and you're on aero bars, you're getting a lot more benefit than somebody who's travelling along at say 30 kilometres an hour. Yep. Now, probably my second point here is that um, if you just slap your aero bars on, you don't do any training on it. You're probably not going to be very efficient in that position. So having aero bars is one thing. You've got to actually train on your aero bars as well. Um, so just slapping them on, you know, two weeks before the race isn't going to do too much good. So yeah, my answer, your, your back will give out as well. Yeah. yeah. So um, as far as I'm concerned, I haven't seen, um, haven't, you know, I, before I looked at this, I haven't seen any research to see exactly what the figure is where maybe perhaps you're not performance gets performance, lost. Yeah. Performance gets lost. But I would say I tell everybody to have aero bars. If you're going slower, then yes, you're not getting as much benefit. Um, but you've really got to need you need to train on them, and you need to have your bike set up and looked at as well to make sure you're in the correct position. You know, if you're in an aero position, you're generally a little bit further forward on your bike, so some people need to bring their seat forward a little bit, which is going to mean that when you're in a seated position, perhaps when you're climbing, you're not in in the ideal position. So, uh, so have uh, one use aero bars, two get your bike set up, looked at it, looked at, and three um, spend plenty of time training on your aero bars. One thing I think to add to that is that. Um, sure a lot of people aren't going to be going some people probably average about 20k's 25k's an hour on the bike and so there may not be a lot of gain but if you're comfortable in that position like I actually love riding in the aero position mm. and uh, I'm probably at a speed where I get the gain but um, for people who listen to that gain if you like riding in that position and maybe there's not so much of a gain there um, it's really about what's the most comfortable position for you on the bike because it's a long time on the bike, especially if you're going to play 20k's an hour. So, um, yeah, I think also to consider that as well. Mm. So. I was on my eyebrows all day today, wasn't I? Yeah, you were. didn't have his. Okay. Played cycle racing. racing. You're not allowed to. Yeah, you're not allowed to use them. Got to take them off every weekend. So, um, cool. Next up, we had a question from Brian Falcon uh, from. 
Where's that? Is that America? Must be America. Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, so he's basically asking. He's Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. I think I went. I went there last year. Anyway, um, so he's looking. I see. He, he basically was considering doing Eagle Man, and uh, he wants just wants to finish it. He comes from a cycling background. And he used to do a bit of mountain racing as well. Um, he just he feels he's a little bit overweight, and should he maybe focus more on doing sprints over the next couple of years to lose a bit of weight, and maybe aim to do like an Ironman or a half Ironman, like in two thousand and eight. Does he think he's gone a bit over his head quite aiming for Eagle Man, basically? I think Eagle Man, you know, given that it's next June, you've got quite a bit of time to get through it. So, you know, provided you're prepared to put in the commitment, I think um, you, sh- you should be okay, and especially given you've got a cycling background. If you were saying you've got no sporting background and you've just done you know, a few sprint tries and you haven't got a background in triathlon in one of the other disciplines, I'd say, yeah, you probably, um, you know, you'd probably struggle a lot more. But given you've been cycling and you've already got that sport under your belt, um, and it's just a matter of refining that form. So I would say, uh, yeah, give, give, the, give the half a, a crack as long as you're prepared to put in some hard work over winter. And the other thing is as well is that once you start doing Ironman training or, or, or at least half Ironman training, weight falls off. You know, mm, mm. you instantly just start losing weight, so uh, the the weight issue is not going to be a problem. I think the, you know the, the the thing is there's a big big difference between a half Ironman and an Ironman. Um, half Ironman, most people can get away with uh, doing you know, a little bit less training. When you're doing yeah. Ironman, you've just got to put in some pretty big volume uh, if you're taking it seriously. So. So go for it. We'll look forward to hearing about yeah, Eagle yeah, Man, Brian. Yeah, bring it on, mate. Uh, next up, we had a question from a guy called. It was BZA. Yeah. It's from uh, Beginner Triathlete. Beginner Triathlete. So, um, oh, Zabu at Beginner Triathlete. Mm. Yeah, so there you go. Um, he Oops, was actually. Your arm's going off. Oh, bloody buzzer got, again. Got my massage. I've got to get to my uh, massage. We'll do this question, then you go have your bloody massage. Um, <laughs> he was actually asking now, a while back, Dave Remy, who he did a race report for us a while back. Uh, when I was in the bloody hotel room doing that one there, oh. um, he did a race report for us, and he did a really great race report. But week before that, he had actually told us about his race report he had done. Now, Dave, what we're actually we're putting this call out here for you, mate, because we want you to put your race report back up because um, Zabu is uh, he basically wants to have a look at it, and he, he's got a race. I think he's doing Wisconsin. Oh, better get onto it this yeah, weekend. Yeah, yeah, this this weekend. So, now, Dave, if you you've taken it off and. Uh, Mate, I'd, even if you can just send me a copy and I'll put it up on our website because it was such a great race report and I know um, I thought that when come time when I'll do my next race I'm probably just going to copy it myself and you know really look into that. So uh, that's a big call out to Dave, mate. Chuck it our way. Okay, so next up we have from the guy who gave us the recommendation for Age Grouper of the Week. We're obviously away again. Uh, yeah, we're away again. <laughs> um, he was saying how... He's just training with lots of training groups and he's enjoying that and he's having lots of fun. It's great motivation. But on the flip side, his training plan is not fully customized to him. Mm-hmm. Um, is that a bad thing? It's a good mix. You know, um, I'd say have a mix of some group sessions, um, especially perhaps for your shorter sessions. I think that's good. When it comes down to maybe doing some of your key long sessions, especially that long ride, given uh, you're going for Western Australia, which isn't too far away. You need to be getting out there on some of your long rides. No, he's not. He's not going for Western Australia. Doesn't matter. Which one are you looking you're at? Looking at? You're looking at Jonathan Scott. Oh, I'm jumping the gun here. Okay, don't worry. Yeah, but yeah, yeah it's cool. Um, if if you are sort of within ten to twelve weeks of your uh, your num your A race, then especially for your long rides, you either want to be dropping off the back of the group and doing plenty of non-drafting solo work. You know, sitting on your Eurobus. Yeah. Um, if you know you're, you're miles away from your A race, then it's okay. 
Um, but what I would say is just occasionally drop off the back and just so you can elevate your heart rate a little bit if it's really low on the bike. Especially when it's effort time. Group, group training with your yeah. running should be fine. Again, you've just got to moderate the effort. The, the problem with group training and running, you tend to go a little bit too hard. So just uh, go to your effort. Swimming-wise, I'd just say stick with it. Um, you just need to make sure you're getting that one really good long swim in each week, long continuous swim. Uh yeah, the main thing is, is you, you need to have a bit of non-drafting work on the bike uh, where you're sitting off the back and, and doing your own thing. Nice. Um, Jonathan Scott from Australia basically asked, uh, his question is, what Ironman-specific sessions do you guys use or would recommend, especially on the bike and run for the bricks uh, as the race approaches? I'm obviously aiming to set my bike up with the time trial position. Uh, same nutrition, blah, 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 blah. Previously... Okay, so basically his questions are, how far out from the race do you recommend people start Ironman specific work? And, uh, yeah. I mean, I'll just give you a typical example of one of the workouts that Bevan and I do a lot is uh, on our long ride. So we're riding around about five hours or so. Uh, in the middle of the ride, we'll do three times 50 minutes. Uh, first effort is just below Ironman pace. Second effort's at Ironman pace. And third effort's a little bit above Ironman pace. The rest in between, we generally take anywhere between... 10 maybe up to 20 minutes we tend to time it so we're going through some nice uh sort of some rollers or, or just make it a little more specific to the race we're training for so that's one of my favorites if you want any more then uh triathloncoach.net's where you need to come to <laughs> and uh, sign up and i'll tell you tell you the rest um, um just in terms of oh, just a couple more you said how far out from the race would you recommend start doing ironman specific work and on the aero bars uh, you need to have your aero bars on all the time, uh, and you need to be riding on your aero bars quite a bit. Obviously, the closer you get to the race, you need to be doing more. Uh, in terms of doing you know, specific interval, Ironman interval work, uh, probably once you get inside sort of around about 12 weeks or so is when you really want to start um, focusing on that a little bit more. And the closer you get to the race, you just lift the intensity a bit. You've also asked about uh, suggesting a couple of weeks of overspeed training, i.e. intervals at half Ironman pace. Uh, half Ironman pace I wouldn't really call over speed training no. um, I definitely include some of that in your training what I'd just be wary of is actually doing over speed training you know there's not a great deal of benefit in terms of doing um, one minute know, intervals. 400s or yeah. 1 minutes um, things like that so definitely some half Ironman efforts um, you know 10 to 12 minutes things like that uh, as you're sort of getting in the final countdown of the race I think it's a good thing um, anything else for him? uh no, that'll do. That'll, that'll do for Jonathan. There's a couple of things I can do when you're not here, so I'll just wrap those ones up when you're finished. But um, just the yoga question, Bikram yoga. Yeah, so yoga, that's the one where they do it in real extreme heat, don't they? Yeah, yeah. So, so our thoughts on that? Um, any sort of yoga is good, uh, as far as I'm concerned. There's loads of different types. Although it would um, be quite stressful with the. Sorry. Shoot, back it up. Back it up. <laughs> back it up. But, but. Uh, Bikram yoga is probably the most extreme um, I'd say when you're in your off season no problem when you're sort of in season and doing your main build I would say probably avoid Bikram yoga it's just going to take a little bit too much out of you yep. your sweat rate is very very high which is going to mean you're quite dehydrated if you don't really look after yourself um, so I'd probably say probably avoid it uh, good in the off season um, but maybe try a different type when you're actually in season okay um uh, last question while you're here because you're going to bugger off any tips for moving from Olympic to half Ironman uh, Olympic distance is much more similar to uh, no, half Ironman is much more similar to Olympic distance than it is to Ironman 
Uh, so really the key is, is just to do a little bit longer on the bike. You don't need to go crazy with your long runs. Um, just need to lift them a little bit. The key thing is to do some, some longer bike rides, you know, um, up to four to five hour rides on the bike and also to include some longer bricks. So some longer runs off the bike, you know, maybe doing a two to three hour bike and then, you know, up to um, an hour to sort of 75 minutes running off the bike. So those are probably the two key things you need to change is longer bricks and a little bit longer on the bike. Probably don't need to change much with your swimming. You know, the difference between swimming 1,500 metres as opposed to 2K is not that great. Um, probably the one other thing you need to look out for is nutrition, which we cover from time to time. Mm. Uh, you do need to have a nutrition plan when you're doing a half Ironman. You don't just want to wing it on the day. Well, that's, that's from Ian McFarlane from Dublin. Dublin. New Kieran. Yeah. So I'm going to let John go now, but there's a couple of things I'll wrap up afterwards. So you have another lovely massage? I will. I'll be uh, all... Lathered up and soothe and relax after this. It's a bit kinky, mate. Oh. <laughs> what else you got on for the rest of the week? I don't know. I'm just looking forward to my massage at this stage. John and I have got a huge week next Ooh, weekend. We'll talk about that more next week. Oh, we're so excited. Big ride. Big ride. Okay, but John's got to fly because he's got to be there in five minutes or ten minutes. So, so I'll see you guys next week and Bevan will wrap it all I'll up I'll wrap it up for you now. I'm going to go for five hours. And <laughs> right out. See you. Radio, so it's just me from here. Um... So a couple of things, uh, we, I was on, I think it was uh, Try Talk the other day, and just talking to some of the boys on there, and someone was mentioning about um, Almia, that was, uh, we mentioned it in last week's show, and we are talking about Bella Cromerford and Stephen Bayless and those guys, and we're just saying, uh, he just sent through an email um, on Try Talk, just talking about how it was basically a really big draft fest, and uh, the girls who came in at second and third were just drafting on the whole ride, or first and second actually, and uh, Bella actually kind of made her point, she came in at third and she was just making her point in the ceremony, uh, the award ceremony, that she wasn't really impressed with the way it was done. So um, I think that's something we really need to be kind of, the officials of the event need to really kind of get on top of, is that whole, um, you know, drafting's not good enough in this game, and apparently there were plenty of draft busters there and they just weren't pulling it up, so... That was really good. Uh, what else have we got? We got just again the um, question on quinine sulfate for anti cramping. Now it was David, and David was asking where we can get that. Now that really depends on where you're from. In New Zealand, you can only get it through a doctor's prescription, so you need to go to a doctor and get a prescription. Um, I, I'm not really sure what happens overseas, so I think maybe ask some athletes or see go to your pharmacist and ask there uh, your local pharmacy um, or drugstore as you guys call them in America and uh, that way then maybe you'll have a better chance of oh he's in Ta- he's in Taiwan actually you have a better chance of figuring that out uh, we got a comment from Rick uh, Laird from Canada I think it was and he was I'm not sure if, if we actually mentioned this one last week or not I think we may have but he was just saying that if you're an aunt resident of Canada and you want to enter Canada next year, you can actually do that online. Now, um, for those of you wanting to do that, you can uh, probably just go to the website. Um, lastly, we had a question from Ray Connor a few weeks back about core conditioning for the triathlete, and uh, I thought I'd touch on that right now. So, basically, what we're trying to do for an endurance swimmer or endurance athlete is that, or for an Ironman at least, is that we're really trying to focus on core conditioning for running and swimming it's not so necessary for the biking so we're really really trying to strengthen up the core for those events um 
And we're trying to really, endurance strength is what we're really focusing on here. We want to work our abdominal, our obliques, which is the side of your abdominals, your lower back and your gluteal muscles, which is your butt. And I thought I'd really just put down maybe four or five exercises which you guys need to do. First is a, is a move called the plank facing the floor. Now when we're doing the plank facing the floor, we can, we, you can do it two ways. You can have it on your forearms and line with your shoulders, or you can have your hands, so you're, like, you're basically like a cat, with your hands in line with the shoulders. Then what you do is you lift your hips up so they're parallel to the ground and you have your toes about, like you've got a tennis ball in between your shoes. You hold that position, so you come up and you sit, basically you want to come up, hold that position for around 30 seconds to start with. So you want to do three sets of around 30 seconds. And over time what you want to do is then progress that to around three sets of 60 seconds. In between you want about a 30 to 45 second rest. Now this is a great one for basically the, all those regions there. So you basically want your body to look like a plank. Common faults of this is people look under their body. So I really want you to make sure when you do this one here, it's actually, you're looking basically in line with your hands, maybe just a little bit further with the hands. You want your hips to be parallel to the ground. And you should be feeling like the core is keeping nice and straight. So you want your back straight as well. Um, have a slight bend in the elbow so you're not locking out the joints and that way you'll be nice you'll be looking after those joints the next move is a move we have called the side plank and what you're going to do is you're going to have the elbow on, on one side of the body on line with the shoulder and then what you're going to do is I'm trying to do this as I'm trying to think about this as I'm doing it and then what you're doing is you're basically lying with your body facing side up so you've got one half of the body side on on the ground and the other half of the body going directly up from here, you bring the elbow up and underneath the shoulder and you lift the, the side of the elbow that's on the ground up. And then what you do is you pull the hips up off the ground as well. And it's like the body is in a diagonal line from the shoes up until the shoulders. Now this one here is a really good um, exercise for doing your side obliques. Also, we want to keep the body nice and straight with this one here. So common faults of this one here is people have like a U-turn or a U in their body. You really want to think your body is a straight line. One thing you can do with this move is that the arm that's not really resisting against the ground is have that pointing up towards the ceiling. Um, uh, yep, make sure the shoulders and the hips are directly and the shoulders are in line with the elbow and anything else. Basically the same thing again, you want 3 sets of 30 seconds and progressively towards 3 sets of 60 seconds. Uh, next up we have a gluteal bridge, now you need a Swiss ball for this one here. And what you're going to do is you're going to place your feet on the Swiss balls. And then what you're going to do is you're going to have your lower back, I mean your upper back on the ground. And you're going to bring your hips off the ground. Now again, like all these three movements, we are focusing on keeping a straight line through the body. So again, we're going to use the core. Your shoulders and your neck are going to have a slight bend in them because they are on the ground. But the rest of the body is coming up nice and parallel. Lifting the hips up nice and high using the core. So the abdominals, obliques, lower back and particularly your glutes. So you want to really squeeze through your glutes when you do this movement to maintain that position. Um, your hips and your knees are in a straight line. Uh, make sure your back is in neutral. So what that means with that one is there's it will be a slight bend. Neutral position is the position you are in when you are standing. So when you're naturally standing up, we call that neutral position. So when you're in that position there, you want to have a neutral position in your back, and you really want to focus on using your glutes to maintain that position. Again, three sets of 30. You want to do double leg, okay? You don't want to do one leg, or you can progress to one leg after a while. This one here, we don't focus when you get to single leg. Don't worry so much about getting on three sets of 60. Um, 
what else we got we got your basic crunch which you can do as well which i'm sure we all do just a couple of things with the basic crunch we're really trying to use our, our crunch method is what a lot of people do is they have their hands behind their back or behind their head and they push their head forward and they really try to get higher by using the arms to push your head forward the only reason the arms are behind the head is actually to create more resistance because it makes the body more top heavy it's not really about bringing the head forward what you want to focus on doing is you want to focus on lifting the chest and just maintaining the hands in the same position so the crunch movement if you think about it is trying to bring your ribs towards your hips as you do the movement so you what you're doing is you come up and as you come up you're trying to close the gap between the ribs and the hips a couple of things to focus on is the eyes will naturally move with the position also you just want to feel like you're lifting through your chest okay make sure you breathe when you do this movement and uh, that will help as well uh, lastly reverse lie crunch so what you're doing here is you're going to keep your lower back on the ground in neutral position your head and your arms are just relaxed you're going to lift your knees up to a squared position and you're going to take your legs away from your body so slowly and I tend to do this in counts of four you go one two three four with your left leg for example slowly bringing it in with this move here we're working on your lower abdominals and a little bit of hip flexor work so you're going to go away nice and long and then you're going to come in nice and long you want to do about three sets of 10 on each leg with that one and then have a, have a rest in between sets you can go continuously with that one so you can go one leg place it down head the other leg up um, key things to remember with this one here is that if you're not new to this movement you don't have to extend to the full length of your leg you can keep the movement a little bit shorter so initially when you first start doing the movement you can have your shoe closer to your bum as you come down for more advanced people who are stronger through those regions you can extend the leg all the way out it's going to strengthen up the lower abdominals a couple other things with that move is that your hips should not be rotating back and forth as you do this movement so you want to feel your hips stay on the ground and basically as the leg goes out the hips aren't rotating they're staying still and then they're going to come back in and because we're using the muscles to control the movement so we're using our abdominals and our hip flexors to do the movement um, so I think those are the main kind of areas we can really focus on core conditioning now just one thing with this our abdominals and our core area are, are muscles as well and a lot of people like to train their core every day but you wouldn't do that in the weights room with other areas like you wouldn't do your chest every day um, so I think it's really important that you aim to do these maybe at max four times a week but three times a week is probably a better number um, and really focus on the technique especially with the hover or the plank side plank in particular and the gluteal bridge um, those movements there if done wrong can really not be good for you because you can damage your lower back so focus on where you should be feeling the movement through the core through the lower abdominals lower back or your glutes and really make sure you have good rest in between um, if anyone has any questions on that, or just lastly on that, I think it's really important um, with running and swimming is that while you're running and swimming, this is where you get most of your gains, is while you're running and swimming, is training yourself to maintain a really good core position. If you watch someone like Cameron Brown when he runs, he runs beautifully, and he runs beautifully because he just maintains a straight core the whole time. His back is just in the right position the whole time. And you see that with a lot of runners as they start out, and as they tire, that's where they start to lose it. They lose their core conditioning. So as you're training, and you're training for your running and swimming, get to know the feeling of that position. And I think that's the key. Know the feeling, and then when you train, and as you get tired, focus on your technique and pull back to that feeling. So I hope that helps out with you, Ray. Um... 
I think that's pretty much it for this week. Um, although Ray did comment on our photos on the internet, and I thought, because John's gone, this is a good one for me, um, what I might do is I might put a bit of a funny photo up of John this week and just keep my cool one there. So, so, so don't tell John that. Um, other than that, I just want to say a big thanks for everyone who's... Uh, on all the forums, it seems to be that everyone's pretty happy with that. We put Dave Scott and Mark Allen out there on the internet and uh, getting lots of positive feedback on that. Um, again, big thanks to Ross from Australia. Um, hope you guys are enjoying it. It was pretty awesome. If you have any questions, so we can get back to the questions now. So if you want to email us some more questions this week, it's ironmantalk at gmail.com. Um, is there anything else I need to recap on? Go to John's coaching website, which I'm not quite sure what it is. So you may want to actually go to our website and check that out. Our website is www.imantalk.com, where we'll have this week's show notes. Plus, um, you can go to the archive to see any of the older show notes. And we'll also have a link to our blog page, which will be for this week's discussion, which uh, we talked about earlier. Other than that, you guys train well, and we'll catch up next week. John and I have got a huge week coming up next week, so we'll get more into that next week. And uh, see you soon.